There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to another Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Wonderful to be back with you again for another week. And today I'm going to be introducing you to Mitzi Wyman, and we're going to be talking about transformational thinking. Before I do that, um, as ever, I always love to mention uh, the, the last show that I've uh, I done and the guest. And uh, the last one was uh, with Adrian Furnham. And Adrian and I talked about office politics. And I have to say, Adrian is the most published, by the way, psychologist in the world. He's uh, had over 85 books that have gone into print and over 1,200 articles that have been published. And so an absolute serial um, writer and, and author. And uh, as he described himself a, um, as a, a recovering workaholic, he said, because he's continuously working. I think I accidentally called him an alcoholic uh, and we had quite a bit of fun about over that. So do take the opportunity to go and listen to it, because what I found was that it really put a, a different perspective on this very interesting subject, a subject we hadn't really covered before in 336, 37 episodes on the show. Um, but a very important one, and we're not often really taught about off its politics. It's this almost um, sort of Machiavellian uh, behavior that goes on, you know, behind boardrooms and quietly in in um, in areas of the, the business to, um, you know, seems quite sinister. But actually, what was uh, helpful about the conversation was how um, Adrian was discussing how we should become savvy to this and how actually we can still... And be a little bit um, political and manage the politics and manage the situation by being savvy, but also by being very authentic and helping just to nurture things along uh, and uh, the right things to happen and occur. So I would recommend that you go and listen to Adrian Furnham. It was an absolutely um, fascinating uh, com- conversation. Uh, another one that has been highly, highly recommended. Um, we, we had the interview with Thomas Davis the week before. Um, which he he gave a, a good idea around some thoughts around how you could exploit a, a new niche or a niche in a marketplace that you're not happy with. Um, but also, I think uh, an interview I've been very surprised by, the amount of interest that we've had has been the interview with Mansoor Malik. Uh, and I've been inundated with messages and feedback on that interview from lots of people, particularly in the Middle East. So I do have an opportunity to go back and listen to that if you if you can. So, to transformational thinking. Now, my guest today, Mitzi Wyman, started as a London lawyer specializing in international environmental law before moving into television as producer for the Law Channel writing business programs. She became um, very fascinated in people and organizational culture and then retrained as a coach and facilitator, getting an MSc in organizational psychiatry and psychology. She went on to senior roles, including head of practice management at the Law Society, uh, non-executive director in the UK's National Health Service, and founder and chairman of FulcrumLeaders.com. Now, her passion is inclusive cultures, where leadership is about compassion, courage, intellectual honesty, trust, and she's got a particular interest in inclusion 
which she often refers to her life experiences to explore race, gender, class issues, all underpinned by a methodology called the thinking environment, um, which came about from um, working with and spending time with the author Nancy Klein. Uh, Mitzi has clients including Sony, Skanska, HarperCollins, the NHS, Marine Conservation Society. She's an ambassador with the Influential International Integrated Reporting Council. Sits on the NHS's London Leadership Academy faculty. She's on the board of public finance by women. And to top it all, she's about to launch uh, a new centre, one for intergenerational equity, empowering and encouraging young people to achieve their aspirations. I'm now exhausted, so I'm going to welcome Mitzi Wyman. Hi, Chris. Thank you very much for um, having me on the show today. You're very welcome, Mitzi. And Mitzi, I often like to just ask people where they're, you know, where they're calling from at the moment and, and where they kind of live, because we have people all over the world. What, you know, what's your, what's your location at the moment? And uh, what's, well, what's... normally I'd be in southeast London, but today I'm sitting in the wonderful Northamptonshire countryside. Well, we're not we're not far away, actually. I'm just sort of a little north of you in Leicestershire, so nice nice rural countryside, as you, as you say. Mm. Now, when um, I, I know that when you know, I often have guests on the show. I've I've done this is the 338th hour of the show, so I'm only occasionally nervous doing my interviews. But uh, I can remember when I first started out, and I know that you've got a little when you're working with groups and teams, you've got a little sort of poem that you share that uh, you know helps settle people down and, and helps calm the nerves. I wondered if you might want to, want to sort of share as an extract. Yeah, sure, I, I'd love to. Um, it's actually something from the wonderful Leonard Cohen, and I use this at the beginning of any workshop because it allows me to be a bit um, more relaxed, and I think relaxes the group. And it's, um, it's from one of his songs, and there's four lines, and they are... Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And I think people are much more forgiving after they've heard those words. So I begin every every session with, with them. So I guess the message is that sometimes everything's not always perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also learning from our mistakes and just being human. I, I think that's at the heart of it. Absolutely. Well, we're both being very human today because we've both got mm-hmm. colds, apparently. So yes. uh, there's been a lot going around at the moment. So apologies to anyone listening if we're a little bit croaky. Or, um, however, we're uh, we will um, we will we'll get on and we'll, um, we'll we'll make sure that this is a, an engaging interview and uh, and put those uh, that behind us. So tell us, Mitzi, just um, if you would, a little bit about your early life and some of the challenges that you maybe faced around inclusion what are the things that shaped you yeah um thank you I I think um, what's interesting about my early life is that um uh, in the time when I grew up and I and I I was um you know young during the 60s um it 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 sounds quite a long time after the war but my, my mother who was Japanese had married my father not long after the war and um, people still feel, felt I think the um, the you know the legacy of that and, and certainly I did I grew up at a time in in the east end of London when there was a lot of pre- um, um, prejudice and discrimination against the Japanese which which was sort of understandable but for a young child it was very difficult so I, I remember at one time we moved out of London and um, in the village where we lived they had a petition to because they didn't want us living in the village 
and later on as in my teens even I was I wasn't allowed into my best friend's house because her father um, would use this awful quote he'd say the Japanese are little yellow monkeys with the lust for killing which was a hard thing to hear as a child and very confusing and then later on in life um, you know for all sorts of reasons you know that legacy stayed with me I think also um, my father had been in the Navy and it meant we were constantly traveling and moving around. Um, uh, and I mean, the, the upside of it was that it meant that I was really fascinated by people and what made them tick. I became fascinated by, by you know, I, I moved my career a lot because I um, was always on the go. So as you said, I moved from law into television, from there into healthcare and more recently into leadership. But it was those early days, those early challenges that I think gave me a, um, an empathy and a compassion for people who are sometimes on the margins. Mm. And it must, yeah, it must be, it must be very hard as a child being on the margins like that and, and, and being a, you know, being a little different compared to the people you're around you. I mean, I can't imagine that kind of attitude prevailing today, but, you know, people in all sorts of quarters sort of experience um, prejudice. I mean, is it something that you've um, you know, been able to sort of deal with through your life and has your career and the past that you've chosen helped you to kind of accept that and accept the, you know, the inequalities and, uh, and poor behavior in others and, um, you know, become a better person because of it? Mm. Is there, was there, has there been a silver lining in some respect? Yeah. Uh, sadly, I think it's something that's ever present these days. I think we see a lot of what I'd call othering, you know, whether it's because of polarization in society, fear and anxiety that's being whipped up um, in all sorts of areas, which I think means that it's, it can be very divisive. And even today, you know, I, I see young children who are confused by the fact that they come from maybe a background where people are judging them based on stereotypes they may have about different community groups. So I think it's something we need to be ever present to. But for me, as I said, having, having been that child or, you know, that young person, I think it means that I am... Um, it's given me a greater empathy for people. And I think what I what it means in my work is I use my own experience as a way to um, open the eyes of, of people. Because, for example, when they meet me and see me, they see a middle-class professional woman, a lawyer, um, Anglo-Japanese. So they imagine maybe my father was in the di diplomatic service or something. And when I reveal some of the things that I've experienced, some of the mental health issues I've had as a result of my early experiences, then they start to understand that you can't judge people just by how they appear. And also, I think um, sometimes I can help them have um, a, an empathy for themselves that they might not have experienced before because they start to understand how maybe they've been um, judged and so it's really about using my experience to help other people um, become vulnerable and from that develop a greater strength, a wisdom, a compassion and a, and a courage in, in their own work. Wow. <clears throat> well, there, there is, um, you know, there, from what you, way you've articulated, there's clearly from a very, you know, quite a, a very disturbing and harrowing uh, childhood at times, you know, a real mm -hmm. silver lining in terms of the gift that you're able to give to the world through the experience that you've been through. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
and I guess it's uh, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, our life experiences, uh, uh, how you know we can go through through challenges in life and and low points in life, and actually, you know, often those uh, those points become you know situations and scenarios that we can draw upon with others, and uh, and then enables us to help people in a, in a bigger sort of way if we we recognise them and see the potential you know opportunity that uh, those experiences give us. So it's you only often only see that when you kind of look back with a, with a bit of you know a period of time really. Yeah, and I think lived experience is important because um, I think you can give people lots of theory. You can you read all the books at them, but when you can connect through a story, then there's that emotional connection, and that is is a much richer way in which to um, to, to try and transform some things. I think this whole area, Mitzi, and I. A vulnerability is just such an important one for for leaders and for people today to be <clears throat> prepared to appropriately kind of open up and just mm. you know admit admit that some of our frail frailties you know can provide enormous connection with people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just talking. Um, I I was on a I was was leading a, a group a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, and and doing some work with them. And it was interesting. I shared when I I first stood up and spoke to them. Um, a little bit about my background and losing my dad in November, and uh, and just a, just a few personal things which I always do to, you know, try and build a connection. And it's fascinating then when on the individual one to ones I did, where people said, actually, what you said there, you know, really, you know, I, I lost my dad in, <clears throat> you know, a year ago, and it's had this effect. I mean, you suddenly you've got a bond between you that wouldn't have been there otherwise if you hadn't shared. Mm. So yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And I'm interested, you 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 belong. It just seems that you belong to so many different organisations, like where you're adding value, and you've you've set some organisations up. And I'm I'm in sort of interested in, in just understanding. We I talked about the International um, Integrated Reporting Council, um, and and also the Centre for Inter, Intergenerational Equity. So I wonder if you could maybe tell us what you know um, the Reporting Council initially. What what does that do, and you know, how does it add value, and how do you play a part in it? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think the words you said there are absolutely relevant. It's about creating value. Um, these days, um, the, well, the IIRC is a, is a coalition of um, NGOs, standard setters, regulators, and some of the world's biggest corporations that are looking at how can we transform the way organizations do business. And we start at reporting because in, in the old days, it was the case that an annual report was something that you might read only if you had to. It would be full of accountancy speak and, and be a snapshot in time explaining what a company had achieved the previous year. And what we're saying is that through our reporting, reporting drives behavior. And so what we're trying to encourage organizations to do is write reports that are much more meaningful, that tell the story of the organization, that talks about its strategy um, and the challenges it will face, and, um, and which really give a more transparent story about the organization and how it creates value across a whole range of areas. So not just financial, but but also environmentally, what is it doing? What is it doing in terms of social capital, human capital, and all of the all of these different things? So it's going beyond the um, shareholder value and looking at how does the corporation create value and meet the needs, interests, and expectations of all stakeholders over the short, medium, and long term. So I imagine the conversations could be quite 
you know quite transformative in in and on the basis that it, it is as people are thinking about this and exploring this it, it, it identifies opportunities to further enhance the business the brand its integrity mm. the value its value contribution yeah totally it's it, 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 it requires them to look at how do they create and even destroy value so it might be that some organizations by having to look at how they run their business through this lens they suddenly they start to see areas where they need to change things so whether it's about um, ways in which they might have created pollution switching the way they do things uh, you, you know they start to see everything through a different lens and how can they improve you know offer corporate goods really so um, you know so it's looking at business and the benefit it can bring to the whole of society not just um, not just you know the bottom line excellent we've got about a minute to minute to go before commercial break <clears throat> tell us um, about what's the center for inter- intergenerational equity very quickly it's it's bringing people from across the generations together using again the thinking environment which we'll say more a bit about later um, to overcome the polarization that we're starting to see between the generations the way that you know generations are being pitted against each other's baby boomers against millennials old people against young people all the time in the press we're being pitted against each other and being forced into making um, stereotypes around each other's and caricatures who is the real person how can you get to know somebody from a different generation how can you start to think well together and to come up with new solutions together excellent i like it it sounds um, just what we need right now um so after the break we're going to um have a, a think about thinking and we're going to talk much more about um the thinking environment and uh, you know why it's important that leaders and really anybody in, in business uh, gives more attention to thinking and how to sort of work and focus on that shift. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm back again with Mitzi Wyman. We're talking about transformational thinking. And before the break, we talked about Mitzi's background and uh, how the experiences during childhood and beyond really influenced uh, what's been a, a fascinating career and this real kind of, I, I think, a passion around people and culture and inclusion. And, and I'm interested, Mitzi, just um, just briefly to sort of frame this. Why why do leaders need to give much more attention to thinking and, and make a shift in this area? Well, I think um, I'll, I'll quote Nancy Klein here, who wrote a book called Time to Think many years ago. She says that the quality of everything we do begins with the quality of the thinking we do first, which obviously makes sense when you think about it. And she goes on to say, and the quality of that depends on how we treat each other when we are thinking. And I think the challenge today for many leaders is that they're trying to do so many things, indeed most of us are, that we're constantly running from one thing to the next. We rarely um, have the opportunity to focus on on anything and to think at a deep level about um, the issues at hand. And yet what we really need to do is, is to think about where are we placing our attention and to recognize that if attention is the quality of leaders, then time is the investment. So you need to work out where am I placing my attention? To what extent am I really listening to the person in front of me? Know that that takes time, but that in doing so, it will really pay dividends because it means from that you're making wise choices and good decisions. You're not just thinking about something at a superficial level at the same time as you're trying to think about something else. You're being really mindful about where am I placing my attention. And I think that's crucial for leaders today. Yeah. And is, is the art there about but you're focusing the attention in the now rather than thinking about the meeting you've just had or the you know your your tea and plans for the evening it's it's a bit absolutely being focused in that moment with somebody yeah absolutely and I, I think the other thing to understand and I may say a little bit more about this later is that the quality of the attention is so important when you're really listening to somebody and listening with fascination it's about not just listening about not just what they're saying but where are they going to go next in their thinking And in that way, what's happening is you're creating the space for the thinking to evolve. So it's not, we we get beyond the edge of our thinking, as it were. Quite often, you can interrupt someone within 10 seconds of them starting to speak. They never really get to finish anything. So they never get to finish their thought. And so we're constantly stuttering along, as opposed to listening in depth and really getting the benefit of doing so, and the benefit of the thinking of the mind in front of us. Mm, so we, you know, we, we can also we can we make and break the quality of that relationship by the amount of tension we give it and yeah. space and, we allow it. Yeah, and we see this with children. We know that children require need our attention, and that if we give it, we we you know they're they're much calmer. They can think better. They behave better, and we're no different as adults. And yet, this is something we've lost because of this this challenge of continuous partial attention when we're being dragged in many different places at once. And so for leaders, this is this is the big message. And if I ask people, what is it you need? They always say to me, oh God, I wish I had time and space to think. But they rarely give it, whether it's to anybody else or to themselves. 
So to give yourself time and space to think and pay good attention to the thing in front of you pays dividends. Well, I like that. And you've been very inspired by Nancy Klein and the, the thinking environment. What, what really attracted you to her work? Um, it, it, it was really this message and the work she'd done over many years. It was also an, an inherently inclusive approach because um, the, there are 10 components that she talks about that together create a, um, a, a thinking environment. But the first three are attention, which I've spoken about. The second is equality. And um, because what she says is that, um, you know, when people know they're going to get their turn, when they are included, and here we mean in every sense that this is to, to allow for diversity in terms of group identity, but diversity of thinking as well, when they know that they're going to get their turn, so there's equality in that sense, then they can think better. And attention and equality together create ease. So when you know you're going to be listened to, when you know that you're, you're, you're going to get your turn um, with a quali good quality attention, that creates ease. That ease allows the brain to think better, the mind to think better because of what's happening psychologically in terms of the neuroscience behind that. And so her work was really um, pioneering and the neuroscience is just now beginning to catch up with what she's been saying. Well, tell us a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about each of them in turn. So <clears throat> attention is something that we we do talk a lot about on this show in terms of being more interested with people and necessarily trying to be interesting to really kind of listen. And I know um, that, you know, in some of the work and the thinking that you've been doing and some of it uh, linked into your, um, your fascination with Nancy Klein and, and her work, you know, there's some neuroscience that has really helped us to understand that because actually doing this I, I notice when you really integrate with someone and you really do take the time to be interested something something physical happens you know, share a little can you share a little bit about your yeah. experience of it and I can give you an example um, at the beginning of a meeting any meeting whoever I'm uh, you know with the group or whoever I'm with and this can be a really senior board I'll always start the, the meeting with a, what we call a positive opening round. And by that, I'll start off with a question. And the question will be, um, um, just say your name and one small special thing in your life right now. And I'll invite whoever would like to go first to begin and then we'll go round. And um, by starting with something like that, what happens is... Um, the assumptions people might have had about people in the room, you know, they've walked into the room, they're not sure what the, what's going to happen in the meeting, they see certain people or they make a judgment about them, oh, that's, you know, that's Jim for, from accounts who's going to check my figures, oh, God, the boss is here and he's not happy with me, and who's she over there in the corner, she doesn't look very friendly, we have all that going on, and what's happening is the adrenaline and the cortisol, the stress hormones are spiking, and so by starting with this positive opening round where you're saying, just give your name and one small special thing, each person in turn reveals something in their life. That might be, oh, I left my new baby at home today. My daughter's just come back. She's just graduated from you know, college or I'm just about to go on holiday. And what happens is all the assumptions you had about them drift away as you connect with them on a personal level. 
what that means is that the the amygdala is calmed down and the positive hormones oxytocin and the endorphins and such like are released they breathe um, the prefrontal cortex that part of the brain that is where you do your best thinking and so everything is much calmer and people can think better together so this isn't just about some nice fluffy stuff that makes everybody feel good sure it does that but it's actually got a scientific basis for it. And as I said earlier, what Nancy says is the quality of everything we do begins with the quality of the thinking we do first. And these techniques create, you know, the environment for people to think better, create the um, energy for people to think better and, and makes a huge difference to the quality of the thinking in the group. Excellent. I, I love that question. One special thing in your life right now. I, I was doing some... Little bit of work at the beginning of the week. I have several of my clients who I've influenced to have regular huddles and as well as uh, engagement groups in their business to build this kind of energy. And, uh, and I, I wrote a little little sort of summary paper of some questions that uh, my clients could use. And I think that's a really good one, actually, at the beginning of a meeting. One special thing in your life right now. I like that. Yeah. I, I had a rather fierce-looking, very senior well, vice president of a big international corporation who, who people were very nervous of. And in their meetings, they, they, they'd, they'd be a little bit hesitant to speak up. But we did this exercise, and he started off by sharing how he'd left his two-year-old that morning with his grandmother, and they were sat side by side playing the piano together. And when he talked about it, he completely melted, as did everybody in the room. You know, nothing was the same ever again amongst the group because they'd seen the human side of him. And the quality of the conversation, what people revealed about themselves, and indeed what they thought about the questions on the agenda was transformed. It's a beautiful example, that. I, I mm. that. Um, so what about ease? Sorry, no, what about yeah. quality, actually? So let's talk about quality first. Yeah. Well, I think the reason why this really speaks to me is that at the heart of a lot of discrimination is this idea that those in power um, are somehow superior and therefore we have to act and think like them. And, um, you know, Nancy's, you know, this one of these 10 components being equality, as I said, is about equality as an individual, but also equality of, as your ability to think. And it's also inviting people to be themselves. It's inviting them to bring all of themselves to the meeting. So... Because very often people who are different, maybe they're the only black person in the room, maybe they're, only, they're the only woman in the room, for whatever reason, sometimes they feel they have to edit themselves. They have to somehow fit in. And the work that we're doing using these components is all about, no, how do you think independently for yourself? What do you really think? Not do I want you to think, not what, what, not what am I expecting you to say? So we're talking about equality as thinkers and being able to bring all yourself into the conversation. I, I love that. <clears throat> I had somebody share very recently at the end of a end of a workshop and uh, we've done some sort of profiling diagnostics to help um, each other understand themselves better and the team better and somebody who is very introverted in nature um, said that um, he said, I just, I've just realized through this whole program that I've always thought that I needed to be somebody else and I've just, re and I've just realized that actually I need to be me and I, and I just need to be the best version of me 
and that's been life changing. And there was tears in people's eyes, and because it was such a big moment for this this individual. And I think that's um, you know that is important, isn't it, to realise that actually we don't need to be anybody else. We don't need to try and behave like the boss, but actually we can be the very best versions of ourselves. Then we we bring more value into that collective space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what the, that's what's at the heart of the work that I do. And indeed, you know, one of the other 10 components is about encouragement. And courage is at the heart of, um, of that word. And it's about how do we encourage people to be themselves. So it goes very, very deep. But what's wonderful about the thinking environment and this model is that you can use it the very next day just in a one-hour meeting. It's you know, you can start to use these techniques which are transformative. I mean, it's brilliant when you've got a whole away day or a, or a retreat to do these things, but actually that the model allows you to start doing things immediately that can have an impact. Excellent. So we've talked about we've talked about attention, we've talked about equality, and the third one you mentioned was ease. We've got about three minutes till the next commercial break, so um, I'll let you, you can ease us into that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think ease, as I said, is um, about creating the conditions for us to think well. When when we're at ease, when the when, as I say, we have the trust hormones, cortisol and so not cortisol, oxytocin and such like, um, then they then they create more trust um, in members of the team, and together that creates ease. And ease creates, whereas urgency destroys. I think sometimes people think if they're in a meeting and there's a lot of brainstorming and energy and such like, um, it's that's a great meeting. And sometimes that can be really good. It can be creative, but very often it can be it can be very, quite stressful and it will be about adrenaline. And so what happens is if instead you can have ease where people can be calm then what happens is they move away from just the short-term thinking, they can go deeper. And I think it's at that point they can start to tap into the wisdom that goes much deeper and bring all of their experience to the conversation. So we start to just go deeper, think more deeply, access parts of our intelligence and selves that isn't normally available when we're rushing, when we're rushing and we're you know, hyper vigilant and having to, um, uh, and are running on stress. So ease creates and urgency destroys. And attention and equality, um, those first two components together help to create the ease that we're looking for. So, what do you think? There's was a, a little bit of a trend that some people still occasionally do adopt of having, you know, short meetings, standing up rather than sitting down or. or you know, leaders who are busy and limit limit people's time to a couple of minutes to come in and share something and go. What that seems to be counterproductive when it comes to ease. Um, I don't think it need be because it's interesting, isn't it? You say you know a short meeting of a cu- couple of minutes. The challenge is most of the time in that two minutes, people are interrupting. So so actually two minutes of uninterrupted time when someone is really listening to you, where they're genuinely interested in what you're going to say and they've started with a good question, can can be brilliant. Because you can have an hour when you're constantly being interrupted every 10 seconds, every 20 seconds, every 30 seconds that you never actually finish your train of thought. So a good two minutes with really good attention and, you know, that alone can be perfect. So it's really people understanding about the power of 
um, generative attention. So, so that that's this notion of attention where it's generative. All right, we're going to go to commercial break again now, and after the break, I want to I want to understand you know, whether this is something. It seems like we can transform thinking quite immediately, but are there some things we need to work on over the long term? And and also, I know you you're passionate about inclusiveness, and I just wanted to really understand this link between. Um, inclusiveness and, and thinking a little bit further. So back again in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm back with Mitzi Wyman. We're talking about transformational thinking. If you've got any thoughts or comments that you want to send through to me, then please do email me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I can share any on with Mitzi as well. Always love to hear from you. Uh, and indeed, I've had some wonderful comments about the show with Mansour Malik uh, today, which have been um, quite quite flooding in, actually, and the same for him. And it is just great to get that uh, to get that feedback and know that uh, this work is adding value to people and they're enjoying it and they're learning from it and it's uh, and then going out and using it to add value to others. So... Um, we were just um, we were talking about obviously about uh, thinking and you know, I'm, I'm interested to just to explore just a little bit more, Mitzi. You know this this link between thinking and your passion for inclusiveness, which I know is very very important to you. Um, just just talk a little bit more about that to us. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, um, as I said, what what we really need today is to be able to find solutions to the challenges that you know we've you know we've created over the last decade, the last century, indeed. But I think the the great thing about this work around the thinking environment is about creating a twenty first century mindset. It's about finding ways where we can create the space for thinking to evolve. But the but the most fantastic thing about it is that it it creates the space for everybody to be involved because of that 
that second component being in, um, equality. Because it, what it says is that you can be in a room of, say, 10 or 12 people typically in a meeting, and there are certain people who will dominate. 30 or 40% will dominate at any one time. That might be because they're the most senior person in the room, because they're the oldest person. It might be, you know, the status and hierarchy. And it may simply be because they're extroverts. But this model means that everybody has a say and that you have to give good attention that encourages people to speak. Now, what that means in an organization is that suddenly you're tapping into the wisdom, the compassion and the courage that is that is runs throughout the organization. It isn't just those at the top. And, and why this is interesting is that I think in the past, obviously, we, re- we were rewarded for what we know, and that's how you rise to the top of an organization, and that's fair enough, and rightly so. But what it meant was that people were there because they had knowledge and power, and to some extent, it meant you hung on to knowledge and power. Knowledge gave you power, so you hung on to it. Whereas these days, knowledge is like milk. You give it away before it goes off. What, you know, real leaders, what they need to be able to do is create the conditions for everybody to have a say, to be listening to everybody's ideas and to be harnessing, you know, all the ideas and wisdom that's in the room. And so using an approach that is inherently inclusive, that that gives everybody that say and encourages them to speak because they know they're going to be listened to and because they know that you're interested in them allows you to harness all this, this knowledge that previously might have just been held at the top of the organization. These days, the world is moving so fast. The things we know can become obsolete very quickly. We need to be listening to as many people, to as diverse a, a group as possible all of the time. Does that make sense? Does, yeah, does that resonate? It does. And, and what I'm, I'm taking from this is, is there is a very, very much a, a kind of mindfulness approach with this and in, in being mindful all, you know, all the time. Uh, and continuously reminding of ourselves about who we, you know, where we put attention and how how well we do that. Um, also being mindful of you know equality and creating an environment with ease. But if we, in each and every moment where we we bring people together, and uh, and in, and indeed even when we're we're thinking on things ourselves, if we if we create these special moments continuously, they're going to add up to a higher quality of. Of thinking, I, I find when, I, when I'm talking there about about sort of individually, I, I find I have the best days when I do take the time in the morning to write my journal and to ask myself some some interesting questions that get me thinking, and also I reflect at the end of the day. And if I do that in a quality way, that seems to set my thinking up in a in a much more uh, productive and consistent manner uh, than if I don't, you know, have that discipline. So it's a, there's a discipline here, isn't there? Yeah. Yes, because what's interesting is all of this work around the thinking environment can uh, apply to oneself. So that one, just as you've said there, when you're writing in your journal, um, with this model, one can think, to what extent am I giving myself attention? To what extent am I not making sure that I'm not being distracted when I'm trying to do something? So giving myself time to focus. To what extent do I treat myself as an equal? Do I treat myself as well as I treat other people? Sometimes people don't. They, they, you know, they put themselves last. And to what extent am I creating ease in my own life? Am I looking after myself in, in, in a myriad number of you know, ways? So, so one can look at it as, as a, as a um, 
a way of you know be, being at ease oneself as well as with other people and of course for me equality and inclusion is about the person in front of you in the room that you're in so we're talking here about respectful attention for everybody that one's dealing with every day this is something that's in, important here about about the bigger picture mm. i know you and i you and i have discussed this that you know, I, I'm thinking you, the, an example there of somebody who's not, who, who sees themselves as maybe second best to others in the room, but actually if they go in with a perspective and a bigger picture, that actually if I don't share what I know and I don't share the best of myself, then I'm actually doing a disservice to the world because what I have to say is contributory, uh, and if I don't share it, then I'm not I'm not contributing. Um, but if you've got a bigger a bigger picture or a deeper purpose that can be very helpful to motivate you to maybe get into this state of mind and maybe not not worry so much about um, or stress so much about just being open and sharing and contributing. Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. I think um, um, it's all about how can I create value? I mean, if I give you a, a personal example, which relates back to everything we've been talking about today and, and the work we're both wanting to do in the world, um, this week, I've been writing a number of bids, you know, to get pieces of work, and that they all coincidentally happen to be around diversity and inclusion. And I was getting really quite stressed about it all, you know, because of late nights, trying to get the paperwork done, and I was really losing myself in this and getting really, as I say, quite stressed. And this morning, I was I was reflecting on this and thinking about the messages that I give to my coaches and clients, and I thought... Why am I doing this? And once I was able to see the bigger picture, i.e. the reason I want to do this work is because I believe that somehow, maybe just through one interaction, I could perhaps make a difference to one person who could then go on to make a bigger difference. So it's this whole piece about why am I here? What is my mission? How can I create value? And just believing that maybe somehow I might be able to turn something around for somebody or for an organization, that was really uplifting. And it reminded me of why I did it. Once I connected with that bigger purpose, then then the current purpose of trying to just, um, you know, get the next report done or whatever became that much easier. So I think very often we need to see, or we need to have worked out, first of all, what is our bigger goal? What is our mission in life? How do we create value? And those are the things that drive us. So it links back to the work we said right at the beginning about the Integrated Reporting Council. How does an organization create value in the world beyond just the bottom line? Because whilst people want a paycheck, it doesn't... it sort of doesn't excite them in quite the same way as if they really felt felt they'd made a difference. Um, you know, certainly it doesn't for me. Money's important, but we know that it's there's so much more to life than that. Excellent. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation. I think we're coming towards the end of the interview uh, right now, and I just um, yeah, I've really and really enjoyed the conversation. It's a lot of value for a lot of people. If you have a an ideal client out there, you know, what would you be the ideal client that you would work with and support? Well, I, I'm really interested in, in organizations and individuals who also have influence. It's, you know, I can only deal with, you know, X many number of people. So I always try to work with entities that 
have themselves influenced. So, for example, the NHS is the fourth biggest employer in the world. So the work I can do there can have a huge influence because it touches so many people. But also with, with some of the work I do through with my coaching, I'm working with leaders who themselves can go away and connect you know, introduce these ideas to others. So, you know, I work with corporates, I work with, um, you know, a number of global entities, and I'm, I'm wanting to speak to as many people as, as can make a difference who, who actually believe in this. So it's, it's organizations and people who are wanting to make a difference in the world, not just make a profit. Excellent. And do you have a final quick message you'd like to leave us with? Um, yeah, what I'd say is that um, remember that point about that inclusion is about the person in front of you in the rooms that you're in and how are you going to listen with fascination to them today? Fantastic. Mitzi, it's been wonderful talking to you. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they best do that? Um, well, um, my website is mitziwyman.com and they can contact me via email at mitzi at mitziwyman.com. Excellent. Oh, great. It's great. Well, I just had a little little message that we've got. We've got just a little bit, um, another another couple of minutes, which I hadn't realised. I thought we'd come to the end. Look at the interview. Looking at the time, right now. Um, but I just, um, you know, it has been really, really fascinating talking with you. And I, I think that um, you know, having someone like yourself who can, you know, remind people of the the right thinking process and and in environments like the NHS, which are just so complicated and so complex and it doesn't feel like there's time to um to do things well uh, i think your discipline of actually sort of slowing down a little but uh, giving things you know taking that discipline to give to give attention um making sure everybody's getting a say and also creating environments that are easier to um be open in i think is is hugely hugely important so yeah so you know a big big thank you mitzi i think uh, it you know potentially what you've shared today i think it has the opportunity to not only improve business performance but i think from a a perspective of an individual it, it has the potential to improve the quality of their relationships with their kids with their family with their partners uh, with their local communities just by adopting this stance of, uh, of going through this process and uh, with much more much more discipline and I, what I do know is when you, I meet people myself who are able to do this and do it really well it absolutely stands out it gives you an opportunity to elevate um, you, you know yourself against um, other people that you you know you're you're maybe you know working with or uh, you stand out you shine so thank you Mitzi been a pleasure you're talking welcome. to you thank you very much so in any questions or comments, do get in touch with me at, uh, at uh, Chris Cooper, uh, Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And you can get in touch with Mitzi via her, her website. Um, always uh, good to hear from you. I want to say thank you to Business Growth Bureau, who are great supporters of the of the show as well, and uh, help um, with some of their support to, to make it happen. And uh, to Voice America for their contribution too. So I look forward to speaking to you all again very shortly. Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 